Deep pattern downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins' official podcast network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins, each and every day. How's it going, everybody? It is Sunday night slash Monday morning, depending on when you listen to this podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show... It's not the Victory Monday podcast we've grown accustomed to over the last couple of months, but you're going to get one tone from me today and one tone only, one of encouragement. The Dolphins make a lot of big plays in this game, leave a few out there, and that was just enough for the Chiefs to win their 12th game in 13 tries this season. Dolphins fall to 8-5 and five with the 33-27 loss. We'll get my five takeaways break down the individual performances, and welcome John Kinjemi into the podcast as we do on these recap pods. All of that and more on this Monday, December the 14th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Hey Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big new year savings on your favorite AutoNation, Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, Jeeps, and more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save right now. Let's go ahead and jump right into the recap podcast here because I'm a little bit fired up. I, I You know, the middle part of that game, 30-10, to 10, I was hoping we would get the type of effort we saw at the end of the football game to make that one close, and that's what we got. So it lifted my spirits, lifted my moods. I have plenty to get to here on this Monday recap edition. Let's go ahead and start, though, first with the stats in this game. Dolphins gain 369 yards to the Chiefs 446. Miami was outrushed only 80 to 94. Passing yards, Chiefs go 352 to Miami's 289. Third down conversions, this is going to be a takeaway on the podcast. Dolphins were 7 for 15, Chiefs just 5 out of 11. The takeaways, Miami had the 4, Chiefs had the 1. Dolphins had 3 sacks, Tungabailoa was sacked 4 times. Miami goes back down to their regular penalty yardage and penalties committed assessed against them. 3 for 35 after last week's 8. The Chiefs commit 8 fouls for 56 yards, and the Dolphins had the football for 31 and a half minutes in this game. A couple of the storylines I was keeping an eye on heading into this game were... How would the Dolphins run the football? We learned on Saturday that Miles Gaskin would not be available to the team. He, Matt Breida, and Savon Ahmed all did not play in this game. So DeAndre Washington, who was acquired via a trade back at the trade deadline, comes in. I was curious to see how they ran the football. DeAndre led the team 13 carries, 35 yards rushing. Tonga Bailoa had six for 24 in the game. I was also curious about the offensive line. Last week, we saw Eric Flowers go out with the ankle injury, leaves the field, doesn't practice this week, doesn't play on Sunday. They kick over Solomon Kinley to left guard. Jesse Davis fills in at right guard. Look, I like giving you guys a more responsible research answer here. So I'm just going to be real with you. I have a, I'll have a much better idea once I look at the All-22 on the offensive line. So more on that on Tuesday. What do we do to help make up the absence of Kyle Van Noy and Elandon Roberts. Both those guys missed the game this week. So those are going to be the takeaways also. So will these final two things I was keeping an eye on. I wanted to pay close attention to the defensive calls. How did they decide to maintain or how to contain and defend Patrick Mahomes and the red zone and third down because I told myself on the preview podcast and convinced myself the Miami must win in those areas to win this game. So we'll go ahead and visit that. And with that, let's go ahead and jump right in to our first takeaway. 
And these first two takeaways are going to get wordy here, so just stay with me. I think we can stop pondering whether or not this Dolphins defense is for real, if we even were at this point. And some will say that takeaways are a bit of a fluky stat. Remember, today's NFL, this is something I made, a point I made on the podcast, I don't know, six weeks ago when we were having two takeaways per game like we are right now at this stage. I talked about how takeaways are king because the way the league is designed right now, the way all these athletic, dual-threat, multi-purpose quarterbacks with the rules geared towards more offensive production with more defensive penalties that are going to be called against them than the offense. In this NFL, you're just not going to find a way to consistently come up with 10 stops a game against a Patrick Mahomes type, against a Russell Wilson, against what Josh Allen is doing this season. They're not fluky though, turnovers, when you generate them and create them pretty much in the same way each week with pressures, tight coverage on the back end, Bad things are going to happen to an offense when they are consistently being put in those situations and being forced to make critical decisions and quick plays against the pressure this Dolphins defense can create. The Chiefs didn't score a point in the first quarter. They had just 14 in the first half in in total. They turned it over four times and punted four times. So you know I had to go back and look at how many times that's happened this year with eight combined possessions resulting in no points, no attempted field goal, just a turnover or a punt. They punted five times in a game twice this year and four times in two others. They never had more than uh, one giveaway in a game this season. In fact, why don't we go ahead and let Coach Flores tell you about the type of team this Chiefs offense has as they were able to score 30 points in those second and third quarters. No points in the first quarter, just three points in the fourth quarter. Let's go ahead and let Coach Flores talk about what type of team this Chiefs offense is and how the Dolphins had to approach it. You know, they, look, this is an explosive team, and they went on a little bit of a run there from the second half, really the end of the second quarter. Uh, got the ball back, punched it in, got a return. I mean, it was just a you know, quick spurt there. Um, and that's that's kind of how, you know, they're wide, they're built. You know, they go on runs, uh, and they went on one there. Uh, let's call the second, you know, end of the second quarter to the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, we had to settle in. And, collect ourselves and I thought our guys did a good job of that and playing you know had some play with some poise and got ourselves back in the game and you gotta limit those big plays we weren't able to do that today ultimately that was the difference you heard coach talk about the spurts there this is the same team that scored 28 points in a single quarter last season they are those warriors teams in, in the nba with steph and clay and kd they can hit 15 three-pointers in one quarter on you and put the game not if not out of reach, completely change the complexion of it. And we kind of saw that happen in this game. They go down and score in the second quarter. They come out of the gates with a touchdown to open the third quarter. They come right back with a pump return touchdown. And this is a, an offense that there is nobody out there within 30 yards of them for the number two offensive spot in the NFL. They are 30 yards, give or take, clear of Green Bay for yards per game. This offense is potent. It's dangerous. It's just uniquely built, like Coach mentioned there. And so their combined Turnover slash punts in a game goes eight today from the Dolphins, six, five, 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 and then four. So they have a whole bunch of games where they just score on at least half their possessions. Pretty much, if you want to call an average of 12 drives a game, that's about what it is in the NFL, give or take. Most teams get six drives, perhaps six at the or 12 in the total game. So they're used to scoring on seven or eight of those drives. They scored four times today, five on that field goal there at the end. Granted, the punt return, which I know Flo will be pissed, as pissed as anybody about that, but some perspective here, man. Like, we faced the NFL's most prolific offense in the 2009, 2019 season opener. Remember what happened then? 
Look at where this defense is after just 15 months after that result. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And it's not just players. It's the game plan. It's the mixed coverages. It's different fronts, different personnel that can execute those different fronts, taking out their best weapons. And this started off well, but both Kelsey and Hill got going in this game. A buck 11 for Tyreek Hill and two touchdowns, 136 for Travis Kelsey and a score. Sometimes Hall of Fame level players, which Kelsey's going to be, Tyreek Hill's on that track. Hall of Fame level players make Hall of Fame plays and they have Hall of Fame games sometimes. In the first quarter, though, Tyreek Hill, for the first 23 minutes of the game, actually into the midway part of the second quarter, before that 32-yard touchdown run, he didn't touch the football, so it looked good at the start. And the Dolphins were also limiting big plays early in this game in that opening start, and again in that fourth quarter, plays of two and three and six and one yards, and those types of things where you don't allow them to eat up chunk yards, which, again, back to their spurts, they had the 44-yard touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. They had 25 yards and a leak pass out to Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the flat. If you can limit the big plays and keep them in those that range, and they did have some 13, 16, 15-yard plays at that time, but you don't let them get over the top of you, that allows you more plays, more opportunities to get in those situations where you create big plays for yourself, and the Dolphins have just done that all season long. With the mixed looks and execution, confusing the opposing offense, give them a short number of options and try to make those options they have to resolve your defensive puzzle the things they struggle with, and with Patrick Mahomes, He doesn't really struggle with anything, but if you can push the protection and not let him break that initial surge, then you can force him into some of those off-platform throws, or maybe they get tipped because he's a little bit off balance and the ball sails a little bit. Those are forced errors, and the Dolphins do it every single week, 19 consecutive games with a takeaway, the longest active streak in the NFL. And how do they do that? Again, by mixing their looks. There was a two-man look I I saw early in the game, cover two look where it's zone, single high safety back there, three safeties on the field, a big nickel look where they have to do a switch because they run a natural rub with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and they rub Xavier Howard and try to get Eric Rowe on Tyreek Hill, they switch that and handle it and cover it up well. There are all kinds of different looks this defense runs, all kinds of different fronts this defense runs, and their ability to execute the scheme that they want to play. We talked about this on a podcast, last, I think it was two weeks ago, where Brian Baldinger talked about the vision of the team and building the team to a specific vision that you identify. The rush contain slash big body defensive ends off either edge. Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, I talked about this till I was blue in the face all offseason long. They're not going to rush past their tackle and go up behind the quarterback, the worst place to be on a football field behind the quarterback, because like we talked about, the modern day athletic quarterback can move and shift and make plays and make you irrelevant back in that spot. So they play through their man. They play through that power, the heavy hands, the surge, play the quarterback, play the run on the way to the quarterback. And that really helped kind of create confusion and create a limited option as far as the pocket for Patrick Mahomes in this game. And it it forced some bad plays and some turnovers. So he has two picks in the first quarter of this game after entering the game with two picks on the entire season. You have to turn those big plays into points. The Dolphins, and they didn't. They got three points off those turnovers early on in this game. But you create those situations time in and time out, and you're going to win a lot of football games. And we've seen that over seven of the last nine weeks now after today's loss. But a narrow defeat against the defending champs in a game where you force four turnovers and force four punts against that quarterback, that head coach, that offensive coordinator, that receiver, that tight end. I mean, it never ends. It never ends. And so to see Miami put forth that type of effort and that type of production, albeit in a losing effort, man, this Dolphins defense looks legit. The second takeaway I have here, and just as I believe are we have ourselves a bona fide defense on that side of the football, 
I sure do think we have ourselves a quarterback. And I've always believed that. You guys know what I thought about Tua as a prospect if you listen to me on Drive Time over the summer or if you listen to me on Locked On Dolphins for the past three years before that. From the first game he ever played as a college prospect, I thought this guy could flat out play some football. And speaking of that night back in 2017, it was the 2018 National Championship after the 2017 season, the lights just never seemed to flash too bright for this guy. And I think... I think there's something to the way a guy is wired that way in that the magnitude of certain moments either do or they just don't affect the way a player approaches things. I can speak from experience on this, and I don't want to get too much into myself here, but I played baseball and basketball from the time I could walk until through college and then later played poker because I, I just had a competitive drive. I had to always be playing. When I was up against a big hand in poker, when I was called to make a big shot, I didn't like the way it felt. I got nervous. There are there are guys out there that get nervous and guys that don't. And I just don't think that, I think this quarterback is unflappable. We've heard about it so many times. And to see it on an NFL field when they're down 30 to 10 and they just keep fighting and just keep clawing back and getting themselves back into position to make plays and to, and to get points and to, and to keep grinding and keep this game going. When you've had to have points this season, I've had faith in that quarterback and I've been rewarded by that quarterback more times than not in the gotta have it moments in the Arizona game against the Rams after those turnovers, putting the ball in the end zone against the Bengals last week in the second half against the Chiefs down late in the game, had to have back-to-back touchdown drives. You got it both times. And I mean, those drives to end the game, the Chiefs were just bringing relentless pressure over and over again. And so the way to a beat you, they challenged Lynn Bowden Jr., Malcolm Perry, Adam Shaheen to beat that man coverage quickly and dialed up the pressure on the quarterback. And this is certainly no shot at those guys, not at all, but it's worth acknowledging that you today lost Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, and Mike Gesicki in a game where the top three leading rushers on the team didn't play as far as running backs are concerned. I mean, oh yeah, and Preston Williams is down too. That's literally your top seven in terms of skill skill player production you have on the roster, just not available, just not there for you. And we'll get to the guys who stepped in shortly. They deserve as much credit as Tua and the offense. They were great at that point of the game as well. But to be able to just hit that rhythm, to have that trust, to make those critical decisions where Steve Spagnuolo, Chiefs DC, knows that he has one job. It's to make your quarterback uncomfortable because at this stage of the game, the run game is just not an option. You can't go to the run game right there, right? You can't run the ball very much when you're down by 20 points in the second half. Now, Credit to Miami, they found some success at points where they could go to the run to help move the chains, to help get drives started, that type of thing, as you manage the clock in those situations, got to the line quickly, snapped the ball, and kept it going, but you get the larger point, and the Chiefs are focused on sending pressure and trying to put the game away with a pick or a, 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 a fumble, a sack that changes the game, and he just stood in there and threw the football to spots, patient didn't flinch against that that type of pressure, just read the action, found the leverage, and delivered the ball time and time again. And as I watch from up high in the press box, I can't tell you how many times, and we'll hear from him in just one second, me and Kajemi look at each other and say, that receiver wasn't even, even in the neighborhood when that ball was thrown, just throwing to a totally vacant area, and nobody's out of their break yet. And by the time the ball gets to the area, that's when the receiver arrives too. It was it was just surging like the way he attacked that aggressive Chiefs defense. And that was on top of the earlier parts of the game we saw in other parts of the game with the quick twitch we still see inside the pocket. Every week now, he's making a play where he evades an initial rush, attacks a line of scrimmage, and looks to uncork one. And like the Gaskin play last week that got 35 yards and led to that go-ahead touchdown drive, like the shot to Mac Hollins we just missed on today, that off-script ability 
Well, it's going to pay off over time. It just will. And he continues to get you, your offense into situations like that when the, sometimes the defensive play call wins. And sometimes it's up to quarterbacks and, and your best players to go out and make plays and to beat the call of the defense. And I thought we saw a lot of that today when, when things broke down, when the pressure got too hot, he just stayed calm and found a way to get around that. Those two traits, that anticipation and the ability to win both within and with outside of the structure, to execute whichever game plan you want to ask of him, the no huddle, up-tempo, hurry up, we got to go, or more of a conservative plan to chew up the clock and support a strong defensive effort and special teams effort, man, I just like what we have. Because even among some of the rookie mistakes you might see on a week-in, week-out basis or today, and in fact, why don't we go ahead and just turn it over to Tua right here and let him talk about how it feels to come up short in this game and some of the mistakes that he thinks they could have cleaned up and had a better better day of execution on the offensive side of the football and ultimately found a way to win the game. It hurts a lot to come up short. Like I said, you know, what, what we want to do is we want to win the ball game at the end of the game. We want to score one more point than the opposing team, which we obviously didn't. But I, I think the defense gave us many opportunities, not just in the third quarter, some in the fourth quarter as well, but Offensively, we didn't we didn't execute the way we we should have, and I think well, not not that I think I, I know a lot of that falls down on on me uh, with the leadership with these guys in the third quarter. Um, you know, not taking what the defense is giving me, just pretty much plain rookie mistakes, and you know, you you can't do that against a Super Bowl caliber team like like the Chiefs. So, uh, a lot of the execution really started from me. I think our guys played their butts off offensively on the on the O line. They played their butts off. The receivers played their butts off. It was really just me executing with the guys. So there's Tua's take on the way the game went, taking full accountability for the loss at the end of the day, and that's you know what your start what your starting quarterback should do. That's how he should lead by example. But you heard him talk a little bit there about taking what the defense gives you, and and what's funny about that was there was a point in the third quarter when the offense began to get cranking, where he surveyed some options, and the Chiefs were kind of playing off. We talked about maybe being a little bit less aggressive with the scoreboard more in your favor, and they kind of reacted that way. And Tua just went through the the, the read, or, or at least I thought he did. He stood there for a while and progressed. His, you saw his head moving around and just took the the little short pass to the running back and picked up nine, 10 yards to get them into a third and one compared to a, you know, possible third and 10 situation. So to learn about that on the fly, to apply it and to go out and make a couple of drives happen there. That was awesome. Even with those mistakes that he talks about, those are going to come with more experience. You're going to get those corrected over time, but those aforementioned traits, baby, those are either there or they're not. And they're there with this guy. The third takeaway is the key third downs and red zone statistics I was talking about all week long. Miami winds up two for three in the red zone scoring touchdowns and seven for 15 on third downs. And that got us back into the game, but I thought they had to do better to win the game at the end of the day. There was a very opening series of the game, third and nine, two of drills, one between two defenders and Jakeem just can't quite come up with it there. That would have been a first down if they execute that play as an offense. They then from there have that awesome drive where Tua goes and completes three out of four, converts two third down plays, a touchdown to Mike Gesicki. Thought that was a great touchdown pass from Tua to Gesicki, the awareness to find him once he got off that block and showed his numbers to the quarterback. But then the Dolphins after that go back to a little bit more struggles on third down. There's a third and six on the plus 13. The throw to the corner of the end zone to Devontae Parker. Thought he might have had a chance to come down with that. We just can't quite finish that play. Another opportunity to not even not even extend a drive there, but to put you know four more points on the board. 
if we can punch that in. Then we have a failed third and seven. The pass that got intercepted, the first in the career of Tungavailoa, now nine touchdown passes compared to one interception in his career. But I thought that was a chance where Jakeem was on top of the defender. The ball's a little bit underthrown. He tries to come back to make a play on it. Maybe we try to get a personal uh, a DPI there. Maybe try to get a catch. Maybe get a bigger play over the top. I just thought those three plays, those three third downs, those are the plays that if you can make them, if you can swing them, and you can get the takeaways and play that strong defense on Patrick Mahomes, you can beat the Chiefs. You, it can be done. But if you don't make those plays, it's going to be a lot more difficult to overcome that. And we learned that in this game. So I thought those few third down key conversions, although being seven for 15 at the end of the day, was just enough to the difference uh, for the Chiefs in this game to win the game. The number four takeaway, the next man up mentality. We'll go through these quick here. Both linebackers, Elandon Roberts and Kyle Van Noy, are such big losses because we know how much they mean to this defense and how good they are as players. But what do you get right away in this game? Andrew Van Ginkle goes to the ground, gets cut blocked, pops up and deflects a pass into the air that gets picked off by Byron Jones, the first of his career as a Miami Dolphin. Congrats on that, Byron. But you get a big play from Van Ginkle. Jerome Baker gets a 30-yard sack. We'll talk more about him here in just one second. To pretty much end a drive, and not just end the drive, a 30-yard sack, that's basically a turnover because you're flipping the field drastically on that play. So two linebackers in the wake of missing two linebackers come out and make big plays right away. The wide receivers go out. Lynn Bowden has a career day. Mac Hollins has a career day. What can you say about those guys? I mean, Bowden was shifty in space and making plays and making guys miss and catching a variety of types of passes. They tried to have him throw the ball a couple of times. I was excited to see what came out of that. Mac Hollins makes a couple of catches, makes some guys miss in the open field in addition to his work on punt team. So this team, 53 deep, man. We have guys that make plays. You can make excuses about who's out there, who's not out there. But those guys made plays off the bench today. That was really cool to see. And guys that filled in for other guys that are not off the bench, but just guys that had to have their rep count turned up a little bit more made plays as well. And the fifth takeaway talked about Jerome Baker, just seeing his value really popping off on a weekly basis. His ability to spy, to rush, to cover, to do multiple things. He's been creating opportunities for other players all season long. And so today to see him get the splash play, the two and a half sacks, again, we mentioned the big 30-yard loss on that sack. His second down and 10 sack created a third and 15, which then put the Chiefs into a punting situation. His sack with Christian Wilkins, the half sack later in the game, was on third down. Big plays for this guy. And you just, the way he can disrupt the opposing offense without making those splash plays, which is why I'm so glad that he made them today so he gets some appreciation. His ability to take those tight angles in the A-gap when he mugs up there to show pressure, to show blitz looks, to force the running back to come into the middle of the formation and take the immediate pressure, right? That's that's principle number one for pass protection in a running back. Get the inside first, work outside because the most immediate pressure inside. He forces those backs by beating the guards and centers inside with a quick move to quickly get in there and change the pass protection to slide help away and create more chances for Ogba and Lawson and Sealer and Wilkins off the edge. And the sack just showcased his athletic ability, his true angling speed, change of direction, and then to finish the play by getting Mahomes to the ground. Again, 30-yard loss, basically a turnover. The second one on the open field has to throttle things down, stay in a passing lane, but then close on the quarterback. What a special trait to have an ability to affect both the pass and the possible pass rush on the same play. I'm just so glad to see him step up and make a couple of big plays in this game because I thought that he's been 
making a big impact on the defense, but not showing up necessarily in the box score with the big splash play. So I'm super happy to see his value show up in the box score in this game. On the topic of value, a guy that barely ever we see in the box score because he's back there just running off routes and, and making open field tackles is Bobby McCain. I think you you leave this game with even more appreciation for what he brings. He leaves the game after the first play of the third quarter and the Chiefs literally go up top the next play, 44 yards to Tyreek Hill and a touchdown. When he left the field the first time to go to the blue medical tent, the Chiefs score a 32-yard touchdown with Bobby McCain or with uh, Tyreek Hill running through the secondary and gets in for the touchdown there. So I think you really appreciate what he does, what he brings to this football team. So those are the takeaways. A few more individual notes here on this Monday recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, presented by AutoNation. Uh, one of the throws I love looking at with Tua Tungavailoa is when you have zone coverage to either side of the field where a cornerback is, is parked in a certain area and either falls back or drives based upon the route combo. And a lot of times you'll see a corner route go over the top and a flat route underneath to put that defender in some conflict. And we talked about this. We had Dan Orlovsky's video last week on the top news article where he shows you Tua's ability to influence the defenders with body position and not just the eyes, but the position of your fakes and the way you set up your hips and your feet and the way you drive the ball to certain areas of the field or or show motion like you're going to throw the ball to that part of the field I thought he did so well in that area again today some of those layered throws over the top of that underneath defender into that corner part of the field really good accuracy touch and timing on those just want to go ahead and add that note in there thought DeAndre Washington had a couple of nice runs the third and one where he leapt over the pile was a really just smart instinctive run had a nice seven yard gain early in the game as well he he shows a little bit of flash a little bit of juice out there that I think can add some value to this backfield even when people get back hopefully at the receiver position pretty incredible what this offense was able to get done when they were down so many guys at this position with Lynn Bowden and Mac Hollins Jakeem, before he left the game, had another 12-yard carry on a fly sweep. I wrote that in the notes because he had two uh, 20-plus runs or, I guess, receptions on plays like that last week. That's a cool feature of the offense. At tight end, Gasicki, man, this guy, he got hurt in the game and left with a shoulder injury, but you know we'll see what the stats on him next week. But he just continues to make plays. And his ability to flash the numbers on that touchdown reception, the first one, he's blocking and Tua finds him as he just kind of comes off that block to not get, like, spooked or drop the football there, catch it, get upfield, get in the end zone. Solid work there from Gesicki as we expect pretty much every single week. On the defensive line, I just continue to be marveled at Raekwon Davis's strength. The ability to stack and work down for a run stop to get knockback. He had a great third and one tackle. It was on Edwards Hilaire, I think it was, where he basically one-arm tackled him to the ground. That was impressive to watch. I love the way Shaq Lawson retraces and works to find the football on screens or swing routes out in the flat. We saw him have that coverage play on Brandon Allen last week. This guy just, his motor never stops and he's he loves it. He gets after it, plays the way you want him to. And Ogba continues to find that Con- that just constant pocket push collapse that part of the of the tackle and then if he tries to break outside or inside he has the arms and the hands and the strength to be able to come off those blocks and make plays saw that a few times in this game talked about Van Ginkle's uh, tip on the interception big time play there after getting cut blocked Baker with just great pursuit angles and speed and finishing plays love that about his game Byron Jones gets his first pick as a Dolphin and a forced fumble. Two takeaways out of your uh, prime free agent signing there at the cornerback spot. So great job by Byron Jones. McCain continues to tackle really well in the open field. Eric Rowe gets himself an interception. Brandon Jones, I had a note on him beating a right tackle. Mike Remmers, he beats him for a block or for a tackle in the backfield to get around that block from an offensive tackle. That's impressive. I had Nick Nito.
Tatum in great shape on a coverage route, on a Baker sack, on Tyreek Hill, one-on-one out of the slot. So some wins individually all around. And then Xavier Howard, of course, how can we go the entire podcast and not talk about that ridiculous interception, one-handed, the classic Odell-type catch that we usually see receivers make. He gets one of those, and he is now one interception away from matching the franchise record for 10 interceptions by Dick Westmoreland. I'll repeat that. Dick Westmoreland had 10 interceptions in 1967. Xavier Howard, one pick away from tying that, two from topping the all-time franchise mark. So he gets another one, as he does pretty much every single week. Let's go ahead and finish up this podcast by welcoming on my guest, John Kinjemi of the Audible Podcast. Watch the game with him on Sundays right next to him. Always great to get his take. Let's go ahead and welcome in John Kinjemi. And joining me as he does every Sunday night to recap the Dolphins action for the day is the host of the Audible podcast here on the Miami Dolphins podcast network, John Kinjemi. John, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing okay. Even though the Dolphins came up a little bit short, uh, I was encouraged the way they played, the way they started the game, and the way they actually grinded till the, till the very end. So it was, uh, it was disappointing, uh, but, but encouraging in the same breath. I have to make a note of this for the audience out there, and this is also revealing to you, John, because John call, I called John, and he came on and did the podcast. We didn't, we didn't brief this whole thing. I opened the podcast, John, by saying my tone this entire show is going to be one of encouragement. So the fact that you use that word makes me so happy because I, I just wanted to get your general takeaway here with, I mean, this podcast feels like we won. If you didn't hear me talk about the score in the open, I, I talked very glowingly of this team. I just see a team that's on the right track, don't you? I do. I, I see a team that, that is competitive each and every week, and I see a team that doesn't want to do lose or like to lose. Um, I, I just think that Brian Flores has done an excellent job in, in changing the mindset and the expectation of this team, and it's headed in the right direction. And, you know, you have to find ways to win games like this at home, I, I think, in the future, even though you might be outgunned or outmanned when you look at offense, defense, and special teams because things had to fall into place for the Dolphins to have a chance. But I, I think more of the, the mental and physical aspects of the game are, are starting to catch up with some of the teams that are elite in this in, in the NFL. And I think the Dolphins are closing the gap on, on where they started and where they are right now. 17 combined points in the losses to Kansas City, Seattle, and Buffalo. We're gonna, we'll get another crack at Buffalo here in Week 17 coming up, but competing with these teams like was not the case not that long ago. So good to see. And you mentioned the press conference, or you mentioned the, the fact that these guys, there's an expectation to win. I think we saw that in the postgame pressers. Everybody was pretty pretty down after the game. So that was, I guess, good to see in that sense that they expect to win these types of games. So, John, with that, let's go ahead and get to your first takeaway from Chiefs 33, Dolphins 27. I thought the game started perfectly. Uh, that That's really the way I saw it, because the Dolphins, in order for the Dolphins to win, they were going to have to win in the turnover margin. They were going to have to find a way to, to rattle the KC offense and Patrick Mahomes in that passing game. And they did that right from the start. When you get Byron Jones, his first interception in a Dolphin uniform right out, right out of the gate in the first quarter, you don't cash in, you miss a field goal, but it set the tone. It really set the tone for the game. So I thought the game started just the way the Dolphins wanted to. They end up getting a, a second interception with Eric Rowe getting a tip pass. Um, you, you go down and you you cash in and you feel like wow it's ten nothing this is the perfect storm for the way the Dolphins 
how to have a script to, to go for to get get something in the win column. So I thought the game started perfectly. Didn't end the way we wanted to, but in order for the Dolphins to, to hang in and throw trade punch for punch, it had to start that way, and it did. And that has to give you faith in the Dolphins' coaching staff's ability to put together a game plan and find a way to make Mahomes uncomfortable early, to find points early in the game, and get off to that 10-0 start. John, your second takeaway? I thought Kansas City had way too many explosive plays. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm saying this with, with an offense that is known for their <laughs> explosive plays. But I, I think that it was just with ease, it, it looked like. When the Dolphins didn't get there, when they didn't get home, with the blitz or the normal pass rush. It just looked like there was a lot of green grass for Travis Kelsey and, and Hill and the rest of the, the cast of characters, the running game, the, the check downs. There was a lot of explosive plays there. I counted very quickly uh, close to 15, 16 plays that Kansas City had that were either 13 yards or more. And that, that includes, you know, the 32 yards for a touchdown, a 45-yarder for a touchdown, a 67-yard punt return for a touchdown. And also, Travis, the way they scored, it was quick drives. It was two minutes and four seconds with four plays. It might have been nine plays, but only two minutes and 15 seconds. These were the, the, This is a lethal bunch, the Kansas City Chiefs are, and they're so dangerous. And with a quarterback that has thrown multiple interceptions in a game and hadn't happened in, in a long time, but for him not to bat an eye and not, not to flinch and come right back and attack uh, an aggressive Miami defense, I, I just thought there was way too many explosive plays for as well as the defense played. There was They made it easy for Kansas City in that middle part, the, the meaty part of the game. And that's, that's really where the game turned, like you mentioned, because we talk about the 30 unanswered points they had at that stage. I was tracking the, the play distance as well because my thought was, the longer you keep these guys in the field, the more of a chance you have of a field goal or possibly a takeaway. And we did see two takeaways down deep in their own territory. So the Dolphins followed that script for a little bit, got away from it there in the middle, kind of ratcheted it back up there at the end. John, I believe your third takeaway has us at the end of the game, maybe? Yeah, they kept grinding. You know, the team kept kept plugging away, kept, you know, staying after what they were coached to do and what they've probably done all their careers. Because I think we have that mindset, uh, those types of players on this roster. So they just kept grinding. You know, it was 28 to 10. You know, then it's 30 to 10 after the safety. But, you know, you, you kind of blink. And, you know, I leave where I sit next to you at some point early in the fourth quarter. I get up to the perch and I'm feeling a lot better. You know, <laughs> Wilkins gets a sack and uh, you find points. Xavier Howard gets an interception. Uh, Kasicki gets, hauls in a, a huge pass over Thornhill and it's, you know, 30-17, and the Dolphins are scoring again with a QB sneak. So they found ways to keep grinding, to keep Kansas City on edge, to say these guys won't go away. And, and I think that's going to hopefully hold true for the remaining games on the schedule because next week is a, is a must if the Dolphins are going to continue to say playoffs in the same sentence as Miami Dolphins. And that starts next week, like you mentioned, at home against the New England Patriots, the penultimate game at the Las Vegas Raiders, and the finale up in Buffalo, up in Orchard Park, where I'm sure we're not going to have to worry about going there this year, John, but in the future, January trips to Buffalo, <laughs> maybe not our, yeah. our favorite avenue. But Those are tough. Yeah. Those are tough. <laughs> not this year. Not this year. Maybe, I, I'll look forward to in the future. That means we're playing good ball, and it means we're in a spot where we want to be. John Conjemi, the host of the Audible Podcast. John, I appreciate your time as always on these Sunday nights. We'll see you next week for the home finale, my friend. 
Sounds great, Travis. And so away he goes. You heard him mention it on the pod here. Just three games left in this Dolphins season. We'll have you covered as we do every single day, both on MiamiDolphins.com and the Drive Time Podcast. Until next time, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out John and Bo's podcast, The Audible. Check out Seth and OJ, the Fish Tank Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com, the written recap, the Sunday spotlight, taking a look at Jerome Baker, both those pieces up on the site right now. Until next time, fins up.